0: What's up, everybody? It's Cythia here. Welcome to the New Man Podcast. And oh my gosh, this interview with Paul Cole is um, out of this world. <laughs> I'm so excited to share it with you. I'm not even trying to be professional about this one. I'm just, I'm beside myself. Um, Paul Cole is the, the president director of Christian Men's Network. And these guys have been around for like 50 years. His dad, um, had a few messages that went absolutely viral way back in the day and um, and kind of set the wheels in motion. And uh, the ministry kind of tapered off for a while. And then uh, Paul and a group of people were able to sort of resurrect it. And I mean, today they are probably one of the most renowned and impactful men's ministries on the planet. And I have to be honest, like interviewing him I just felt way over my head uh, we do research before the interview so I was like listening to his podcast yesterday and you know he's interviewed like uh, Daryl Strawberry like uh, you know kind of like famous baseball player for the Yankees and Louie Giglio and just like really top tier level people and um, I was like just stunned stunned that I got the chance to do this so um, aside from just kind of who he is and the accolades I have to say, there's so much to the guy. Like, um, he he is not in that place because he just inherited it, or or that kind of thing. He's the real deal, very authentic, uh, tons of wisdom, and um, and you know, it, it's really interesting because I I read some of his dad's material. That was sort of uh, my initial interaction with these guys. They said, "Oh yeah, read some of these books and whatever," and um, I wasn't really sure. You know, like the essence of the message was just not. Not really what what we 're about here at Deep Clean, and so when they reached back out and said, "Hey, you know we'd love to come on the podcast," I was pretty hesitant, uh, but I did some research, and I kind of saw that there was a softening to their message that there was um, some development you know and, and a bit of a I i 't know a modernization, and um, now i'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was even considering it like it should have been a no brainer." Um, cause this interview was just amazing. So you're going to love it. It is on the longer side. We decided to not chop it up. Um, because I think long interviews are actually really nice to listen to. Most of the interviews I listen to on my own podcast feed are anywhere from, you know, an hour to an hour and a half typically. And obviously we do something different here, uh, four days a week. But for one day a week, we do give you an interview, and um, this one's on the longer side. So uh, that's just because there's more depth to it. Uh, He has lots of wisdom, and it's going to just have that much more impact. So uh, buckle up. Enjoy this podcast interview with Paul Cole of Christian Men's Network. Welcome to The New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal to provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sophia Sam. Okay, well I'm here with Paul Cole of Christian Men's Network. Paul, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, it's great to be with you, man. I'm really fired up about what you're doing.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, you've been very encouraging. I really appreciate it. and. You're surprisingly networked beyond America. You know a lot of people in Canada here as well, which is uh, really, really cool. You've been around well, Canada.
1: You know, we love Canada. You guys are all huddled against the border for warmth. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and the fact is, even though you won't let us in, we still love you.
0: Oh, that's, that's very <laughs> very kind of you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing connecting with the Christian Men's Network. I was saying this before we hit record, but, you know, you guys have been around for a long time. And I think that's actually it's rare in general, but I think men's ministry is particularly niche and it's hard to stick around. But you were saying you guys have been around is it five decades almost?
1: Yeah, almost 50 years. And, and in fact, uh, where we're at right now, our dream, our vision, the Global Fatherhood Initiative, uh, Dangerous Nations uh, campaign. These are 100 year plans. Uh, wow. You know, our dream is 100 million dads who know how to love their kids. And so the fact is, is that the things that trip us up, like what you're dealing with, this is one of the most important things we can do, because you can, you can have great crowds with great sermons, but you'll never change the nation until you disciple the men. Hmm. And until these little things that trip us, like pornography, addictions, uh, greed, lust, and whatever it may be, these, these little things that trip us up until we begin to actually talk about it and deal with it, We don't get fully set free and fully uh, released into what we can be and and what really our families need us to be.
0: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So maybe you can talk a little bit about it, because um, obviously the the issue with greed, lust, pornography has evolved in the last 50 years since uh, it was your dad who first started CMN. Um, Right. Can you talk a little bit like I'm kind of curious where where you came onto the scene? Because you said you were kind of a surfer guy in California for
1: a while. How
0: how did this all come about to begin with?
1: Yeah. Dad was in ministry and he had bought into the uh, basically the old school thought, which is you forsake everything for the sake of the ministry, including your family. And we know now that's that's a uh, that's a fallacy and it's wrong. Your first ministry is to your family and so into your marriage. And so uh, dad had done that. I grew up on the beaches there in California, Santa Cruz, surfing and and doing the stuff you do as surfers. You know, dad's ministry, though, what happened was when he wrote a book called Maximize Manhood, he had an experience in his life where he called some men into rightness with God, that manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous to be a real man is to be more like Jesus Christ. And he called them into a place of repentance and he called them into a place of release And that's where Jesus in John 20, where Jesus spoke over the disciples and he said, he said, this is not going to be easy. So he he basically prayed over them and says, I I breathe on you, the Holy Spirit. And then he said this. He said, he said, forgive those who have hurt you. Right. He said, whoever you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. And basically what the translation says, whoever you don't forgive, you hold it in your heart.
2: Right. Right.
1: And when you hold unforgiveness in you, Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart because out of your heart comes your life. Proverbs 8 says, talks about wisdom. and Wisdom is forgiveness. What you hold inside you is what you become. I know you talk about this a lot, which is identity. Identity, my little piece of that is identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. Hmm. And too many of us as men are telling ourselves a story that somebody else wrote the lyrics to. And the reason identity is so key and definitions, you know, come back to this little piece I was talking about originally, is that all your decisions and your actions come out of your definition. So when you talk about mm. my decision making, where does that come from? It comes from my definition. And if my de- definition is based on what other people have told me, not based on Christ, then I begin to build this little world inside of my brain that causes me to make decisions that aren't to my greatest health. Hmm. And so when dad found this thing and he called these men into uh, repentance, and forgiving others and releasing stuff out of your life, because it's so like I got a friend of mine. His dad was alcoholic and he, and he used to beat him up. And I said, dude, what, what happened? He said, well, when I was 16, I got invited to a youth group and I forgave my dad. It's Really? He said, yeah, I totally forgave I said, what about your little brother? He said, my little brother didn't forgive my dad, never did. Wow. And now this friend of mine in his 40s is totally free, living a new life. But his brother, who's now, well, his brother is now 40. He said, my brother's living that same stuff my dad lived. Why? Because what he held in his heart, he became. Mm. And wow. what you release what you release gives you freedom from the things. When you forgive another person, it opens a door and releases that. Yeah. So as dad began to minister to that, and uh, Christian Men's Network started, and the ministry of men, I was in business and, and that sort of thing. My background, um, you know, growing up on the beach, and and just like you, not wanting to follow in my dad's footsteps.
2: Yeah. yeah, Classic right? PK talk. Yeah. Yeah. There's
1: one thing I'll never do is I'll never stand on a stage and
2: speak. Yeah.
1: And after my father passed away, we had helped him with the ministry for years. After my father passed away 19 years ago this month, um, the Lord really moved through a lot of friends about five years later and said, you need to relaunch this ministry to men. And oh. we did. And we fully committed to it, sold everything we owned fully jumped into it today about 900,000 men a month are going through our resource materials, uh, in 134 countries and 37 languages. So it's just like, and here's the deal. It's like anything else. You just put your head down. You say, okay, we're going to do what we do. I can worry about other people. My Instagram may not be the greatest. My Facebook (laughs) might suck, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go after. Here's the thing. God told me to do help men get set free, become the man God designed them to be, the man they desire to be, and yeah. the man their
0: family needs needs them to be. And that's yeah. who what
1: we do with Christian now.
0: That's incredible. So what what have you observed in the last 20 years? Because a lot has happened just like globally. Um, and I, I would think that the issues men are facing now versus maybe 20 years ago when you kind of injected your life back into this has probably changed a bit. What are you observing?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you the, the deal is the, the the thing is, is that it's kind of like, you know, with the gospel, with with Christ, it's the same message, but the methods change. Right. Right. And so it's some of the same issues. You know, porn's been an issue from, I mean, from thousands of years. These things have been issues. We're dealing with the same core. And James Craft and Blaine Bartel and other guys is that a man can get messed up on his phone today right? But he can also get set free. He can find yeah. process and help, and he can find freedom. And the, the bottom line is the change that happens in all of it, the answer for everything is Christ. Hmm. The answer is the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as much as everything changes, and there's new temptations, you know, it's the thing we were talking about a minute ago, you know, a lot of guys never really dealt with temptation until they became a follower of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> because before they were a follower of Christ, it was just called opportunity.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And so
1: now here you are a follower of Christ trying to do the right thing. Temptation comes. And I will tell you what is changing is in uh, its Romans 8, which is I think there's more stress in the world. I think mm-hmm. there's more stuff going on. We know about like if somebody gets beat up in the street in in Adelaide, you know, Australia, Because they were marching yesterday for you know rights or whatever, masks or whatever the deal is, we know about it right now. And I can get stressed over uh, what's happening in the Ukraine, and I can get stressed over what's happening in Northern Portugal, and I can easily get stressed over what's happening with the presidential race in Zambia or Venezuela, and all this stuff hits us from all these directions. And that's where we have to come back to. Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, not the Prince of Panic. <laughs> and it's his spirit that changes us. And when yeah. we come back to that core, it's just like, it's like, you know, you work out, you know, when you're working out, one of the things you have to do is you always have to continue to work on your core. One of the first things as a man gets older is you begin to lose strength in your shoulders. Uh, right here in the upper chest, you start losing strength in your upper uh, legs. So one of the things I do, I'm always doing leg presses. I do 150 push-ups every morning because I've got to keep that core strong to get done what I have ahead of me. Hmm. And uh, so it's the same stuff. In fact, you go back and look at Gideon. All right? You want me to go there? Judges, sixth chapter.
0: Let's go there. Let's do it. Okay.
1: So here's this guy named Gideon, right? And we always talk about be a Gideon generation. Right, because this guy came along. He's like 16, 17 years old. God shows up and says, "You're a mighty man of valor." Right? Do you right. know the story. They have a Bible in Canada. Oh, yeah, Bible Bibles. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, there's there's a couple floating around here. Yeah,
1: there's a couple floating around. <laughs> they share them. Well, they yeah. they would share them because it's you know that's the nature of the of the politics well, is to share everything.
0: While while we're huddled along the border trying to get warmth, we, right, we pass right, it around. Right. Yeah.
1: So the thing is, is that here's Gideon. God shows up. Bam. And what does Gideon do? He gives God, it's a theophany, it's the angel of the Lord, it's actually an appearance of Christ himself. Hmm. And Jesus looks at this young man and says, you're a mighty man of valor. And, and he says to him, he says, yeah, but do you know who I am? And Jesus says, doesn't matter who you are, I know who you are from, from who I am in you. And then Gideon says, no, 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 Here's my definition. We're a nation living in fear and hiding in caves. Of a nation living in fear and hiding in caves, I'm I'm of the tribe that's the least tribe, like I'm the wimpiest tribe. And then of a wimpy tribe of this nation living in fear and hiding, I'm the wimpiest kid. Isn't that what he says to him? <laughs> right? Yeah. He says, okay, of a nation living in fear and hiding, like I'm the least of the least tribe. That's right. So I'm asked, let me ask you a question. How did he know that? How did he know that? Because somebody told him that. And that comes back to identity. So the story that Mm. Gideon was telling himself was a story somebody else wrote the story to. Right. And God has to come along and tell him, no, 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 that's not who you are. And he makes him a judge. Now fast forward. Judges chapter 8, verse 30 of of Judges chapter 8, it says, Gideon has 70 sons. (laughs) This is... This is awesome. Like how many, how many of us would love to have 70 sons, bro? I mean, you're getting your marriage started. Think about, I mean, obviously it wasn't with the same wife. So, I mean, just having seven sons would be amazing, but this guy said 70 sons. We don't know how many daughters, maybe he's, got, maybe he's got 140 kids. Sure. He's been the head of Israel for 56 years as a judge, what's called a judge. This this would be in our day and age. We would look back and say, well, the guy was like a king. He's like the CEO of the nation. So mm-hmm. there's a judge. And he's the head of the nation for 56 years. Now, verse 33 of Judges 8, it says the guy dies, passes away. Okay. It says the moment he passes away, now this is Israel who had been living in fear and hiding, and everybody used to beat up on him. Every single enemy would take o- take them over, rip off all their stuff. And for 56 years, they win victories. They become extremely prosperous because of God, hmm. speaking through Gideon. 56 years later, Gideon dies and says, as soon as he died, the nation went back to Baal. In other words, the nation went back to worshiping themselves as God. Hmm. In fact, Baal, we know, was a worship of humanism. It's very humanistic. It's basically what the church of Corinth dealt with. You know where Paul had to write them letters and go, hey, it's not a good thing for a guy to marry his mom. Yeah, remember that whole piece? <laughs> yeah. Like, like this was the word. This is hedonism at its. Good. So, Bales, when it when Israel goes back to that, it's like they totally turn on God. Hmm. Now, now check it out. I mean, I'm, I'm going somewhere here. Gideon, verse thirty-three. It says, Gideon, verse thirty. Gideon had how many sons? Seventy,
2: 70
1: sons. Yeah. Verse 33, he dies, and immediately Israel turns, goes back to Baal. How many of his sons stood up and said, no, this is not who we are. This is not who my dad was. This is not our identity. You could kill me. I don't care what happens, but we are not turning back away from God. How many of his sons did that?
2: Hmm.
0: None by the looks of it. Not
1: one. Not one. And the failure of Gideon's life is that he did not disciple his sons. Okay. okay, now watch oh. this. If you go back just prior to that, and you go back in, in that same chapter, you find that that Gideon has this one battle where where basically he's going to go fight all these kings. And these kings are like, dude, this guy's going to wipe us out. Let's make a treaty. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a bunch of gold and silver. We're just going to give you everything we have, including our earrings, every bit of gold we have. And says they give him all this stuff, and Gideon takes that. Tons of gold and silver. and It says he goes back to the village where he grew up, and he creates an ephod. Now, an ephod was a uh, like a monument, okay? He creates a monument to God in the village where he grew up. Hmm. Now, Sophia, think about this for a moment with me. Let's say that you're going back to your high school, and it's your 10-year reunion, okay? Okay. 10 years later, you're going back to your high school. How do you want to show up? Like, how do you want to look to all the girls who wouldn't date you? You want to show up in like a gold metal flake Corvette, you know, or fly in on your plane, you know, and yeah. be dropped off by your chauffeur and you walk in and go, Hey, so what do you think of me now? Yeah, right. So, what Gideon did, because it says, that his monument that he built became a snare for his family. Hmm. Now watch this. Because remember, Proverbs 4 says, Guard your heart, because out of your heart comes your life. What happened to Gideon was he went back to the village where he had been told as a young man, you don't measure up. Ah okay. you're not good enough.
0: Right. Where the you story don't was have written. what it takes. Yeah. You'll
1: you'll never amount to anything. Because that's the identity. At 17 years of age, he's telling God, this is who I am. Right. Now, this is the age in that culture that men went to war. This is a grown man. So at 17, he's been told, you don't measure up, bro. You're not -hmm. not good enough, dude. And he goes back to that village 50 years later and (laughs) builds this monument, quote unquote, to God. But basically proving, hey, look at me now.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a different story.
1: So what happened is because Gideon never forgave the people who put him down, out of that smallness of heart and not thinking he measured up, he never discipled his sons. Huh? Because he didn't think. And I, you know, I don't know. I might be the king. I might be the judge. I might be the head guy. I don't know. Is there anything I can really teach my sons? He never lost the snare of that depreciation Hmm. and what the beauty of what you do for men with your ministry, what you do for us as men is you help us learn who we are so that I don't have to go prove myself on the outside. I know who I am on the inside.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the
1: true strength of a man is always on the inside, not the outside. That's why identity which produces decisions because your hands will always do what's in your heart
2: Hmm. so
1: most guys try to deal with their hands (laughs) yeah so okay sorry we're dealing with porn and masturbation and all that right i didn't mean to go there but right (laughs) i mean we're dealing with stuff we do with our hands we're dealing with stuff we do on the outside yeah right and i try to stop it on the outside and i grit my teeth and i just can't get it done hmm. until my heart changes And when my heart gets sets free my hands get set free
2: man. and the
1: failure of gideon's life and not deciphering his sons is his heart never fully got free of the bruises that he had as a young man
2: yeah it's
0: incredible no it's really powerful I think I think you're hitting on something that's really um, counterintuitive there because we can all kind of wrap our heads around like, okay I understand, uh, you know, people have said things about me. I have these bruises in my heart. And I think a male tendency is sort of to either cover it up or to sort of fight fire with fire. It's like well, somebody said that I wasn't good enough, so I am good enough in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Like, I think these are the yeah. things we resort to, uh, which like you're saying, you're kind of, it's like hand-to-hand combat when the real issue is at the heart level. Um, and I think what you're suggesting there is it's is—it's—it's tools like forgiveness and repentance and the things that really Dude. deal with the heart. That's where that transformation happens. Can, can you just go a little bit deeper on that? What are, what are some of the other things that guys really need to engage with to rewrite that story properly?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, one of the, I had a great friend who played uh, played football. His name was Reggie White, and uh, Reggie played Philadelphia and then won a Super Bowl with Green Bay. And I remember him coming over to our house years ago. My boys were younger, and he came over and he he got on the ground and started playing with him. This guy was huge, it's massive defensive end. Called him the minister of defense. And uh, <laughs> he got on the ground with him and he started shaking them off, and they were jumping on him like he was playground equipment, right? <laughs> And then two days later, I watched him on the football field just dismantle some big men in front of him. Hmm. And the beauty of that is that what Reggie knew about himself is his real strength was not external; it was internal. Hmm. And the weaker a man is on the inside, the more he tries to prove his strength on the outside. And I don't care if that's, you know, twenty twos on your car, or uh, or or five businesses you started. You know, it's like the young guys going, man, I scaled five businesses. Yeah. Like I'm working on my sixth. I never sleep. It's like, <laughs> dude, you know, you're covering something up, bro. Yeah. And and so when we talk about the issues you're dealing with, uh, identity is the core thing. And we find our identity in Christ. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that happens overnight. I, I talked, I had a friend of mine, I had breakfast with a friend of mine, Ryan, this morning. He's a young business, I say young business professional, he's 53 now. <laughs> All right, so everybody's young now. But uh, but he and I were talking about how he got fully set free of pornography. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he had been dealing with some stuff, and then he kind of went through it, and he and he made a commitment, I think he was 23, 22, 23, made a commitment to stay celibate. Uh, he went through sexual integrity, a book my father wrote, and uh, in going through this, it, it really helped him kind of identify some things. Hmm. But there came a day that he was he was with some other people, and they were taking little pieces of paper, and it's a, it's a little exercise. And they were writing things on the paper that they were dealing with, and they were nailing them to a piece of wood, like nailing them to a cross, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And he
1: said that uh, – he said that – he thought, well, that's cool. I'll do this. And then he actually – Got to the point where he wrote down somebody's name that he forgave, hmm. and he nailed it up there. He began to cry, and then he wrote down a couple of other things that were very deep and very personal. He nailed them up there, and he said it was as if somebody was pulling like a stake out of his center of his core, like a like a big stick, like a stake. It's like it's like a thing just coming out. It's just. In that point of repentance, he said, it was like the battle. Here's the deal. He said, it's not that you don't keep fighting because there's always a fight. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Yeah. That's his job description. And he's pretty good at it. But he said it went from this thing being here, the fight being here to it being out here. Yeah. He says the fight went from here, like this claw to where it was over here, like I'm fighting here. Okay. Yeah. We're going to fight and win this thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had a guy in, in uh, fact, it was in, uh, it was in Wyoming and it was a, it was a Sunday morning. I was speaking to the thing and Saturday we had talked about forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. And he uh, came up and told me, he said on Sunday morning, came up big guy, big Wyoming, you know, guy, western guy and he came up and he said hey thanks for yesterday i said well what happened bro he said uh i forgave my dad He said really he said yeah my dad's been dead for years he says but here's the story he said i never knew who my dad was when i was 16 years old i had a friend who said you know my dad knows your dad he lives in another town it's really so i found out who he was when i was 19 years old i walked into the bar where he was said, hey, I'm your son. He said, that man F-bombed me. and said, don't F and never come back here again and tell your mom never to call me again. Wow. He said, I walked out of that bar and I cursed my dad and I cursed everything that he stood for. He said, "And basically, I cursed myself. He said, for 40 years, I've lived. I, he said, I woke up every morning. He said, I've been in all kinds of relationships, all kinds of jobs. Uh, anger's a big issue. Rage. He said, I, I would wake up in the morning with this big clock. He said, that man died a number of years ago. He said, but yesterday afternoon when we were in that meeting and you started saying, hey, name the person you need to forgive. said I, I said his name and I forgave. And he said this morning, so I'm 60 years old. He said this morning for the first time in my life, I woke up without that claw wow. on my head. Wow. The principle of release, that forgiveness always releases. Yeah, and and because the things we like, if you hold bitterness in your heart in your heart, your hands tend to bitterness. Hmm. Your mind easily leans into bitterness. If you if you hold anger towards somebody, you easily become angry.
2: Yeah, right. It's kind of
1: like why do the sons of alcoholics become alcoholics? Because of the never forgiven, the one who abused them. Yeah, and the abuse may not have been physical; it may have been. As as deeply ingrained, you know, mental speech, whatever a lack of affirmation, love, respect and uh, man, forgiveness, just releases, man, it mm-hmm. just sets guys free. And I have found out when you talk about, you know, the question you asked me a little bit ago, Cynthia, about what's happening in this culture today. Yeah. Uh, I find a lot of uh, a lot of uh, it's really easy for us to blame others. It's real easy. For, yeah. It's real easy for government leaders to stand up and say it wasn't my fault. It was the previous guy. <laughs> really easy for government leaders to stand up and say, well, we didn't have any choice. It was this person. It was that person. We were, you know, yeah. uh, political expediency. Um, and I think the acceptance of responsibility is part of becoming a mature man.
2: Hmm. And
1: we have a lot of immature people in, in uh, leadership. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's that's part of it. When we talk about our culture today, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people blaming a lot of other people. It's really easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you think? You know, when when you look at guys and you're dealing with men all the time, how many of these guys get wrapped up in their image on Instagram, social media and those kinds of things? How much is that an issue?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a big one. I mean, guys, I don't know if guys gravitate towards the uh, putting their life like like it's all together necessarily on social media, but it's it's kind of the guy talk, you know, it's it's just having to feel feel like you always have to have your life together. Um, you can kind of pick your poison, whether it's social media or a locker room or wherever else, um, even family. I think uh, when guys get older, um, into their late 30s, 40s. A lot of it's competition among family. You know, it's not actually competition, but you're looking at what your in-laws are doing or your siblings, and um, you start asking if you measure up, right? So I think that there you that's go. a fundamental thing, yeah. It's fundamental. It's a
1: center comparison.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's you it. know.
1: And, uh, and the beauty of of finding your identity in Christ is that you actually lose your life in Christ. Hmm. You know, there was this guy, uh, his name was Malwin, born in the late 300s, 390, somewhere around 390 A.D., and when he's 16 years old and 4, 406, 406, he gets he gets uh, these guys come from Ireland. He was born in Dunbarton, Scotland, and they they capture him, take him back to Ireland, sell him as a slave. He's a slave for six years. His dad was a pastor. Check this out. Malwin's dad was a pastor. But he had rejected the whole thing. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. And so now he's a slave and he's taking care of pigs. And he's like, in the middle of all that, he finally goes, God, I, I am sorry. This can't be who I'm supposed to be, but here I am. And I repent, ask you to you know, help me out of the situation. After he'd been there six years as a slave, he has this dream. A dream comes to him, like a strategy of how to escape. Hmm. That's this vision. His dream comes ends up escaping. It's a very cool story about how he walked over these hills and stuff and found a ship and ends up back in Scotland. He goes back to his dad goes, you know what? I've, I've recommitted my life to God, Christ, to service. And he ends up studying to be a minister. And he ends up becoming a bishop there in Scotland. And he chooses the name Patrick. Okay? <laughs> so check this out. He can't get rid of this call to go back to Ireland, and help those people who had captured him find Jesus Christ, mm. and he goes back, and for the next thirty years, he becomes who we call today Saint Patrick. Wow! And this guy changes the future of the world, Christianizing the nation of Ireland, changing the future for tens of thousands. Literally, you know, if you look back at it, and the, and the pivot point of Ireland's been. You look back at it, you go, okay, this guy actually changed stuff that's affected millions and millions and millions of people.
2: Yeah, What happened?
1: He writes in his diary, he says, it's all about Jesus. In fact, his prayer, I wish I had it in front of me. You can look it up, the prayer of St. Patrick. He would pray every day. And it's Christ in front of me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ in everything I do, everything I see, everybody that hears me hears Christ. And he lost his identity in Jesus and found his identity in Christ mm. and when he was willing to lose himself to the comparison stuff with everybody else yeah. he found himself went back he didn't know he's going to be like famous right <laughs> that wasn't his deal it wasn't like hey everybody's gonna every march everybody's gonna talk about me <laughs> you know they're gonna paint the rivers green or whatever yeah and of course that's we do that. It'd be obviously mankind, you know, messed up what it's about, but this guy went back and literally changed the nation. Wow. You know, and he changed it because humility, you know, it's the thing you teach. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. And the humility of Christ was actually his strength. And the stronger a man is on the inside, the more gracious he can be on the outside.
2: Hmm.
1: You think of Jesus well, think of this. You know that phrase about turn the other cheek?
2: Yeah. You
1: know, turn the other cheek. Well, that's kind of used by people to kind of put Christian guys down, like, ah, bro, you know, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Well, what that was was a sign of strength because when the Romans would come in, because remember, Christianity started under Roman occupation, terrorist occupation. The church mm-hmm. grew in the middle of of quarantine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and And lockdowns and terrorism and everything else bad that could happen. Their money being devalued, you name it. And so so turn the other cheek, meant when the Romans came, they would find the strongest guy in the village. And in order to only be able to leave a few guys behind to inculcate the culture and send on their army, they would take the strongest guy in the village and then bring him out and just hit him in front of everybody. And one of two things would happen. One, he would either fight back and then they would take them out. Everybody goes, OK, well, we can't beat these guys. Or you would just cower and just go back as a coward and just say, OK. But the third way was turn the other cheek. And turning the other cheek is actually a sign of strength because it's basically this. You get hit. I mean, think about this, man. Think about if you were out someplace and guy, some guy hit you with his open hand. Okay. That's different than being hit with a fist, right? Yeah. Totally different. Being slapped. So, this, so you get slapped and turning the other cheek, man. Okay. You did that one, do this one. Right. In other words, it's the strength of the martyrs in Afghanistan today saying, no matter what happens, yeah. no matter how this has happened or what happens, me and my children will not, will not turn our back on Christ. Yeah. It's the February 15th, it's the Coptic 21. Those men who knelt on the beach in Tripoli, Egyptian Coptic men, one, one man was from Ghana. They had led him to Christ when they were in prison. And he mm. said, If you guys are going to be killed for your faith, I'll go with you. Wow. 21 men. And you've seen the pictures of them in the orange jumpsuits with the men, ev- men of with evil intent behind them. Yeah. And uh, those men said, We will not turn our back on Christ. You know that's strength, that's true strength. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's where it is, man. That's that's true strength. True strength is always on the inside, not the outside. That's and really so, uh, so it's it's. Uh, yeah, that's where we're at today. And, and so Gideon with his sons. Yeah. Remember Paul said this. Where is it? Second Corinthians. So was in Corinthians. Oh, it's it's in the It's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. But it's in Corinthians where Paul said, "You have ten thousand instructors, but not many fathers." Yes. And he's trying to uh, he's trying to describe to the church at Corinth how much I love you. I love you like a father. father. Yeah. He says you have ten thousand instructors, but not many fathers. And here's the key on that: is an instructor gives you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. Mm, wow. And the difference in our world today is that we have too many men who have not been fathers and we haven't been fathered, but we've just been instructed huh. and nobody gave us their heart. And we're wow. looking for that connect. Wow. And the beauty of following Jesus Christ is we find that connect yeah. in Christ and we fully become satisfied with who he made. That's true success right yeah success is to fully satisfy your personal design (laughs) it's not it's you know and if you were designed to be a third grade teacher and be the best impact thousands of kids for the rest of their lives yeah if you were if you if your job is to run a warehouse then then be the best at running that warehouse if you were called to start a business scale the business yeah right if you were called to be in politics and God knows we need more Christian men called into politics because politics really means the business of the people. Right. You know, if you go back to Plato and Socrates and so forth Uh, and really, we really do need godly men and women in leadership. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so this to me, uh, what you are on the front of what you're doing with this podcast and in your ministry, the online stuff, Man, uh, change one, change the heart of one guy. Think about Patrick, you know, in yeah. Ireland. Yeah, right. One guy, tips everything for millions of people for centuries. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it changes everything. One guy, one guy, one one person, one tip,
0: one thing. You know. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's really amazing, and I think it's very inspiring because uh, I I think maybe the average listener here is thinking like. Paul, I'm not eloquent in speech. I don't have the, yeah. the very obvious leadership skills. And it's a great reminder that um, even kind of what you were saying at the beginning, like we're all called to look after our family first. And if you're a single guy, you're a family of one. Like it, it starts now, you know, and there's nobody's exempt from that responsibility.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what true leadership is? True leadership is serving. Yeah, it's just you can't do a conference on it. And have anybody come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You can't do a servanthood conference. Everybody show up. Everybody wants to be a leader, but true leadership. You're only qualified to lead to the degree you're willing to serve. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came. He said over and over, he says, I came to serve. You know, the cross was a a point of serving. Marcus Luttrell, uh, Lone Survivor, he he said this in one of his books. He's written two books now, Lone Survivor, and then uh, there was the one he wrote after that about serving. And he said, the greatest servant of all time is Jesus Christ. Because he laid Mm -hmm. down his life for his brother.
2: Wow. Yeah. 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 So if you find, so
1: when you begin to find your identity in that, then you're not worried about, you know, I mean, in your business, you may need a good Instagram for your business. You may need a good, uh, I don't know, TikTok strategy to make everything work yeah Uh, i I don't have any problem with that but but the fact is is that your life's not based on that
2: that's your life's not
1: based on whether your car you know is a certain style or model i mean it is good i mean it is nice to have a car that runs yeah (laughs) it helps yeah that's always a good thing (laughs) i'm just saying you know these things that we hold so dear um you know, uh, it was Solomon that said, who's like the wisest man, but he was also extremely wealthy uh, he, in Ecclesiastes. I, of course, I think he wrote Ecclesiastes after he got his 800th wife. Right. Because, <laughs> man, all his vanity.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but, you know, he just he basically said in Ecclesiastes, he was talking about seasons and things. He goes, you know, life's a vapor.
2: Mm. It's,
1: it's here pretty quick. And yeah. we tend to hold things pretty dear aren't really that important yeah and uh we found out later you know dude that that didn't really mean anything but what meant something was that friendship with that guy yeah my buddy yeah. my my friendship with him you know and faithful are the wounds of a friend yeah you know that's that's why uh you see a guy in trouble you know if you're his friend you help him yeah right
2: yeah, yeah, that is true. You don't
1: you don't turn them out. You go, hey, it's like if a guy comes to you and says, hey, man, I, I'm getting my butt kicked by this porn stuff. You don't look at him and go, dude, you just need to be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you say, hey, man, let me help. Let me be a part of this. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's get on a podcast. Let's get in the, the you know, weekly process with Sophia. Let's do yeah. this.
2: Thing, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's what a friend does. In fact, you may have some guys go through it with a friend just to be the friend.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's part of the process. Yeah, something we really encourage here. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I think it's what you're doing, man. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to settle. You know, here's the deal. My my whole thing with Christian Men's Network, Global Fatherhood Initiative, uh, we're a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness and ending child abuse. And my goal is every child deserves a loving dad there be 220 million children abused, mistreated, or neglected worldwide this year, according to the United Nations. And that's underreported. And then the kids that get abused just verbally are not, not affirmed. And You think about that. Every child deserves a loving dad. And that's yeah. why I'm behind what you're doing. I'm with you. I'm a partner with you because, man, if you change the, the trajectory of one man and he begins to affirm his children and love his sons and help his son walk through porn or just the whole thing of growing up at 11, 12, and 13 in our yeah. culture there. You know, uh, and affirmed that young daughter. You know, the University of Pennsylvania did a study, and it's about seven or eight years old. They talked about the age that a woman comes into her sexuality at 11, 12, 13. And they said a young girl that's held in the arms of her loving dad comes into her sexuality on average 18 months later.
0: Later, wow.
1: Yeah, and I think it's true. And so, in other words, the love of a father is protection for a girl.
2: Hmm, right.
1: Not just not just mentally or speaking words of affirmation, but actually, according to a University of Pennsylvania study, actually physical protection comes. Because that's where, you know, you find your core. You find your core in the breath of, of your father. Yeah. And, and it's for 90% of us, when we didn't have that, we looked for that. That's why when God created Adam, he created Adam and he breathed into Adam. And the Holy spirit is the breath of God that gives us the core that our father didn't give us. Yes. Because he didn't hold us close and breathe on us.
0: I love that. And I love the visual because I think it it kind of represents the security, right? Like I think the healthiest man is secure in himself. And if, if you don't get that growing up for whatever reason, um, then you, well, even if you do get it growing up, you have to make the transition to finding your security in God, right? That's that's where you really find yourself anyway.
1: Yeah, you've got, to, you yeah, it's your deal. It's your decision. You yeah. can't put it on somebody else and you can't put it on your background. Well, I did this or this, my dad was screwed up or this or that, whatever, you know. Dude, yeah. listen, just just grow a pair and and take responsibility <laughs> yeah. and just say, okay, you know, what do I have to do If I, you know, I'm turning 30, what do I have to do in order to actually be the guy I want to be, you know, I got to accept responsibility. That means I got to start this process, get in this class, get a coach, do this stuff, you know, forget telling it, Hey, I grew up in a crappy uh, school, had a bad neighborhood, got abused when I was eight years old. All this stuff happens. I'm not, I'm not denigrating that. I'm saying that take the step of saying I'm going to be healthy out of that. I'm going to get set free of that stuff. I'm no longer going to be identified by it. The beauty of the life of King David. I mean, dude, this guy killed his best friend to get the guy's wife. And God, in Acts, the 12th chapter, still holds him up and says, David, having done everything according to my will, wrestled with his fathers. (laughs) Consistently, history looks back at David and says, what a great man. Like, dude, this guy was jacked up. Yeah, You know, he had stuff going on. But here's the key. Beauty of the life of David is consistently, you read in the book of Psalms, he consistently repented. Hmm. Consistently. And so he no longer, he did not define himself based on his mistakes. He defined himself based on the fact that he was pursuing the presence of God.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's good. And
1: that's what defined him. And so my definition is not based on my mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be. I make too many of them. <laughs> well, you know, if we base it I mean, dude cuz then I start looking at well, I made a mistake. Now I got to do this and we, and you know I got to you know go kill a lion. I got to do something. And uh and then we get ourselves in this turmoil. No, what I have to do is basically repent, accept responsibility, become a mature man and say, "Hey, I'm going after this with with uh, reckless abandon.
0: Yeah, it's so good. So I guess I'm wondering how how you do this personally, Paul. Just because um, you know you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a leader of a, an international ministry, and um, I mean, I know that as the scale gets larger, uh, sometimes it's 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 like you can do no wrong, you know, or it it gets harder to to find those safe places to repent, to to do all the things we're talking about. Ah, that's so that a good can, one
1: right there. You yeah. have got to have some guys you can talk to. Right. You've got to have somebody you can call at two o'clock in the morning and go, Bro, I am jacked up right now. Yeah. You got to have guys you can call. Well, I tell you what, as you do get older, you don't tend to call guys at two in the morning. That's pretty much <laughs> a panic when you're younger. Okay. But uh, you tend to call guys uh, early in the morning, late in the afternoon. Go, Hey, man, dealing with some stuff. Can you pray with me over it? And
2: yeah. you got to have
1: a band of brothers. You got to have a band yeah. of brothers. And so that's that's how, you know, in that sense. And the other thing, I – dude, I give myself a break occasionally.
2: Mm.
1: I just have to go, yeah, well, I'm still just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I got really ticked off at that person on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> or I saw a commercial on, uh, on a football game, and it really got me lustful thoughts. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm human. Give yourself a break. You know, don't, don't pound yourself it's like okay lord protect my mind set me free bam i repent let's do this thing let's get it cranked up and it's just yeah. a point of maturity you know yeah here's the deal you know if the path of life you're on has no obstacles you're on the wrong path
2: yeah it's not much of a path
1: <laughs> it's like you're not getting anything done i don't know anybody who's getting anything done who hasn't had to fight for it
2: yeah yeah Yeah, it's It's Billy. It's
1: old school Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire.
2: Yeah, Yeah. you probably don't even know who that is. I know piano man. man. I know piano man. I'll at least give you that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, piano. (laughs) Yeah, but it's the whole the whole deal is: hey, we didn't start this. We just arrived in the middle of it. And the fact is, you know, give yourself a break. You know, uh, this whole uh, trying to be perfect, trying to just crank it, you'll wear yourself out. Just relax for a minute and go. Okay, Lord gonna get into a place of peace, and I'm just gonna read Psalms, read Proverbs in the morning, and I'm just gonna go out behind my house, sit in a chair. I'm just gonna dial down for thirty minutes.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: and I'm just gonna depend on you. And and I I do do that, and I have my and I've got two spots that I go to.
2: Okay,
1: and uh, my wife knows, and, and my kids know. Yeah, you know, and my grandkids know. you know what i'm saying it's like uh yeah papa loves sitting out back right there yeah you know and that's where he thinks and that's where he prays and it's kind of dial it down and you know and just let the lord minister to you and just realize you're not all that in a bag of chips you're just a guy yeah
2: (laughs) yeah you know that's good And,
1: and no matter what you're podcast looks like or what the artwork looks like you're just a guy
2: yeah you know and the
1: lord's going to use you and you just trust the holy spirit and you go father this is your deal it's your church you love your body you are establishing that the kingdom of heaven on the earth because we pray that every day with the lord's prayer yeah you're doing that and i'm just going to do my part and i'm going to trust you
2: it's beautiful you know Yeah. And, it, and if
1: you fall down, Psalm 37, 23 says the footsteps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. And we're all like, yeah. But verse 24 is my verse. It says, and when he fall- falls, when he fails, it doesn't say if he fails, it says when he does, <laughs> the Lord will pick him up. Wow. And Isaiah yeah. describes the Lord as having a strong right arm. And I'm like, dude, okay. I messed up, tipped over, jacked up. Okay. had a, Had a moment lord i trust you yeah i repent forgive me i forgive myself
2: mm. you mm. know that's a big one yeah.
1: in fact i think sometimes it's easier to forgive others than yourself yeah so when you ask me personal, that's it yeah, that's the process and then i make sure i hang around with a lot of really positive guys i had lunch yesterday with some super positive men one guy's older than me one guy's younger that just you know and uh get fired up and then i had breakfast this morning with a like this young professional yeah owns a company it's just cranked up and uh you know you just hang around with guys like that to build your life yeah and then you're able to help others who call you who go hey i got a problem
2: yeah yeah
1: all right man let's do
2: this so yeah anyway so um yeah
0: that's good. It's really good. So I got one last question for you. You said you got a hundred year vision for CMN. Yeah. Um, uh, unpack it a little bit. Uh, are you 20 years into it or is it a hundred years from now? And where, where's no, the thing No, I'll tell going?
1: you what, I, I'd say we're uh, 10 years into it. And, okay. um, and so remember what you do in life becomes history, but what you put into motion becomes your legacy. So if if we're doing something, I believe the, the spirit of God put in my dad's life almost 50 years ago, uh, then I'm imputing that into men after me, you know, whether they're 50, 40, 35, 30 uh, and saying, hey, here's a worthy goal to raise up 100 million men worldwide who know how to love their children. We just graduated our one millionth man. I say just a year ago, February, I was in Indonesia. I was in Indonesia, Hong Kong, and Vietnam when all this COVID oh stuff was gosh. breaking out. Wow. I was met at the airport, people in hazmat suits, and so it was crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, we graduated our one millionth man just in Indonesia. Huh. Gone through maximized manhood in our materials. So, oh. you know, that's my thing. My thing is those million guys take yeah. another million guys right. and help them become stronger. It's like It's like the the 500 men going through your process, get another 500. Right. Yeah. And then they get another 500 and that 500 becomes 2,500. And that's, that's my dream. My dream is that. And so what we're doing is we're setting up a process whereby that happens long-term.
2: So amazing. Yeah.
1: So I'm pretty excited about the global fatherhood initiative. Uh oh, Dangerous yeah. Nations campaign. Uh, we're just launching a new curriculum called Build, which is for young entrepreneurs. So we've got extremely highly, I'd say high capacity, high successful men who are going to speak. And, and again, we're, we're male centered, not because it's our calling, not out of a belief that, oh yeah, all leadership is male. Uh, it's our calling to speak in the lives of men. And yes. our greatest cheerleaders are my wife, and the wives of those of us who are involved in this. Of course. Uh, and so, uh, and every and every dad out there who has daughters, dude, you're my cheerleader too. The reason is because he's looking for a guy for his daughter to marry. He's like, dude, where am I going to find a guy
2: <laughs> for my yeah.
1: daughter to marry? Yeah. You know, there's not too many out there. So what are we going <laughs> to do? So we're going to build a bunch of them.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And
1: we're going to make local, the local church a place where people can say, hey, you want to find a husband for your daughter? Go to that local church because, man, somehow these guys are multiplying unbelievable men.
2: Huh. And I
1: believe that's what the local church is about. So we are, uh, I always say it this way, we're Christ-centered and church-centric.
2: Yeah. And we believe like
1: in—we uh, the local church is the hope of the world. So everything we do is about building the local church, build strong men, Strong families, strong churches, change the future of the world.
2: It's amazing. Yeah, if you
0: one of my uh, phrases here is if you transform the man, you transform the land. There you, you know? go. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Um, okay, so Paul, you're you're talking to guys here who who maybe are struggling, uh, maybe just need need a little bit of a, a nudge to make that first step towards leading their lives better, their family, their business, their ministry, whatever it might be. What's your your word of wisdom to them
1: well here's the thing what, what are you fighting for you're fighting for your legacy you know you're fighting for your legacy so it's not about whether you fall down it's about whether you get back up the stalwart man gets knocked out the stalwart man gets back up
2: hmm. so
1: get back up and go after you're fighting for your legacy the other thing is is that we have to understand that jesus hung out with some guys including one guy that he looked at and he goes dude get behind me satan yeah. He looks at a man named Peter and goes, Get behind me. Don't be an idiot. Okay. You're you're putting stuff on me that's just negative. And yet he turns to that man and says, You, your spirit, when he called him to Christ, he said, I'm building my church on that. So the same guy that he called out is the guy that he said, Okay, why don't you go ahead and preach the first message in Acts two on the day of Pentecost? Well, why don't you go ahead and just launch this thing? In yeah. other words, there's there's uh, room for misfits. Hmm. And I think basically the kingdom is built on uh, on in the hearts of misfits. The oh, guys that feel like I don't measure up.
2: Yeah. And Jesus
1: says, you know what? Hey, I know you messed up, Peter. And I know you denied me. And I know this happened and that happened and that happened. But the grace of Jesus Christ, as he looked at that same guy, and he goes, "You, you're going to be one of the most amazing and awesome men. They're going to talk about you thousands of years from now. Yeah, you're going to be an awesome man. And you're go- and on the spirit of your confession, I'm building my church.
2: Yeah, wow. that you
1: are the Christ. So you know what, I I find a lot of um, I find a lot of peace in that." that he used really jacked up guys who argued with each other. Like they, like he had two guys whose mom showed up, right? <laughs> yeah. His mom showed up and goes, Hey, when you come to your kingdom, my boys should be at the top. Right. And he's like, get this, get your mom out of here. I mean, think <laughs> about this, the kinds of guys that he had with him, you know? Uh, and yet these men, these men changed the future of the world. Yeah. And so I think that if we it, as men, so you're talking about right now, a man listening going, yeah, I'm not that guy. No, you are that guy. You know why? Cause you're breathing. <laughs> like if you're listening right now, you're probably breathing. The fact <laughs> you have breath and that God kept you alive and didn't destroy you, you haven't destroyed yourself means there's a path to wholeness and healing and, and productivity and you're actually going to touch people's lives and you're going to change the future of the world because that's what you were called to do and you are what romans paul said to the church of romans and a bunch of guys he said you're a conqueror an overcomer and a victorious one and a champion not because you made that but because god that's who god made you
2: that's it
0: yeah yeah amazing um we're gonna put Links in the show notes to everything. Uh, you have a book out, uh, CMN yeah. Global Fatherhood Initiative. Uh, is there anything else? Anything else that these guys should know about here to connect with you, Paul?
1: No, no just uh, cmn.men, cmn, Christian Men's Network, cmn.nin. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I'd love to make sure we stay connected. You know, I love the whole stuff on identity and uh, that you're doing. I love, I love, love, love what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm just behind it. And I think guys that are listening right now who haven't gone on your show link and popped on there and said, I want to donate 20 bucks a month. They need to do that. And they need to put in, you know, whatever it is for the price to get the materials is to do it. It's like, step up, do the stuff. I mean, dang, most of us will spend five bucks every other day on a cup of coffee, you know, yeah. put some finances in to your life to make yourself a bigger, larger uh, person. And so I'm, I'm just uh, behind you, man. hundred percent.
0: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and thanks for your time today, Paul. This has been amazing. Yeah, fantastic. So that was my interview with Paul Cole of Christian Men's Network. I told you guys this. I mean, he is he's for real. And there's only a couple people I've met so far, you know, doing uh, the work at Deep Clean, where I feel like they legitimately are like fathers to me, you know. And and Paul was talking about that how how um, the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians. Uh, or to the Church of Corinth, that they had many teachers, but few fathers. and and um and i I often feel that, you know, uh, that can that can be a common experience even today,, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not you have a very present biological father, I think we all need people in our lives who are just cheering us on and championing what we do and believing in us. And so, um, I'm super grateful to Paul and and uh, honestly just felt like uh, his his encouragement was, Exactly what I needed, and um, and uh, beyond all that, I hope you got something from it too. You know, because there's just so much wisdom there. Uh, he's clearly, clearly like very passionate about the subject, and um, it's just phenomenal. So I hope you enjoyed it. Lastly, go check out their stuff. Uh, they like they have been around for five decades for a reason. They know what men need. They know how to meet them at their level, and they they offer a plethora of options depending on how you want to be resourced and what it is that you're looking for. So go connect with them. The links are in the show notes, and I know you'll be super blessed by it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, uh, po- interviews like this are the reason we do the podcast because I, I guess for me, I just um, I, I feel really confident that Paul brought something valuable to you uh, I think sometimes personally I struggle with like whether or not what i 'm doing is actually useful for you guys. Um, you know, I know that it is, but these these things do pop up and it's it 's sort of just part of the grind that comes with podcasting and whatever else but i'm i'm so glad I get to share stuff like this with you where I just know it 's going to make a huge difference in your life and um and I just want to thank you for listening and for for tuning in so uh so just take what he said, put the wheels in motion. And, uh, and share this with somebody too. If there's somebody you think that really would benefit from the interview and from what Paul was sharing, um, share it with them and, and give them a chance to experience that transformation as well. Much love to you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at sathiamesam. Thanks again and see you next time.